Welcome back to Gentlemen Prefer Bonds. I'm Will Daniel. And I'm Will Schlick. And Jesus Christ, it's Max Wilcox. Or HBO Max, as we call him around <laughs> Yeah, we here. call him HBO Max. Uh, tonight we're continuing our series of movies that uh, influenced Bond, were influenced by Bond, or seem kind of James Bond uh, adjacent, with 2002's The Bourne Identity, uh, based on the novel by Robert Ludlum. Uh, this came out... Uh, June 16 or June 14th, I believe, um, 2002, uh, made about 214 million off a budget of 60. For a movie that didn't do like gangbusters theatrically, it's pretty crazy how like this is probably top 10, if not top five, most influential movies of the last 20 years in terms of just shaping action movies. Uh, including, obviously, the latest iteration of, of James Bond for, for the last couple decades. Yeah, I was kind of surprised reading it back on it, because I always think of this as, like, a hugely influential movie. And, you know, it didn't it didn't really make all that much. It didn't get... It got good reviews, but not, like, particularly great reviews. It wasn't yeah. like if you read them looking back, even, like, the retrospective reviews at the time... No one's like, oh my god, you gotta drop everything you're doing and go, and go out to watch The Bourne Identity yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, like, like, it's a good thriller. It's a good thriller, yeah, yeah, you know, and a lot of people point out, like, it has some issues and all this. It's kind of funny how it has, I don't know if it's just, like, because of public opinion about it, or maybe the sequels helped out a lot, and just sort of the building of the franchise, but man, it's had a really, really far reach in terms of its influence on action movies, and in particular spy movies in the last 20 years or so. I think that PG-13 blockbusters are a lot bigger and goofier at this point. So Doug Doug Liman making this, he's coming off just a couple indie movies like Go and, and Swingers, um, can, can still make this kind of a... This feels like kind of a lighter and more fun movie than the next few. Uh, where like the bar is is set so fantastical, you know, Die Another Day comes out a few months after this, um, that this doesn't have to try as hard to be gritty to to feel like something new for for this kind of movie. Yeah, yeah. but I think that also with with Born Supremacy and Paul Greengrass, you know, getting the guy who's just made Bloody Sunday, he gets to ground it a little more into the real world and people those next two movies get like great reviews and make more money and maybe have, they, they solidify the Bourne trilogy as just people kind of think of it, I think as a whole as like what Jason Bourne is and what it does to bond and taken and, you know, every action movie after. Yeah. Uh, I saw this in this big old theater in Burlington, Vermont. They had no, uh, uh, air conditioning, but it was this family-owned place, and they made their own cookies, so th- that was fun. Wow. But I uh, had, had a great experience watching it in, in theaters. I, I assume you guys both saw this in theaters? I did not see this in theaters. I think I watched this on DVD maybe, I don't know, six months after it, it came out or something. Yeah. I probably didn't see it until at least a year, maybe a year and a half later. Um, uh, probably, yeah, probably the same. Probably about the same. Couldn't tell you. Not yeah. I really I really like this movie. I think this movie is really fun. Not one that like made a lasting impact on a twelve year old Max. Yeah. No, I, I think I enjoyed it more as an adult than I did as a kid. Uh yeah. You really uh, appreciate uh, I was just thinking about watching it this time, like watching it as an adult and watching it after the last few decades of all different kinds of, of action blockbusters, how goddamn economical this movie is. It's, it runs less than two hours. 
uh, and there's just I, I don't think any of it uh, unlike every Marvel movie unlike maybe half of the Bond movies I don't think any of this feels bloated like there's you know you could take every action scene in this movie and I think part of its budget you could push things a little further and and make some of the sequences even longer uh, if you wanted to but I think this is great as it is and it's just a really good tight thriller yeah, it is. I, to speak about, like, even it's not, I mean, it came out 20 years ago, and I suppose, even it's ending action, there's not even really a big end, ending action yeah. set piece, you know what I mean? It kind of ends in a, kind of a classic thriller, sort of a twisty-turny thing. It's, yeah, very, very economical. I, I think what's the most impressive action sequence in terms of just its sheer size, like the car chase, maybe, I guess? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, monetarily it has to be the the car chase. I mean, like the 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 set piece is supposed to be the fight in the stairwell, where you go yeah, from yeah. the door slam that, into the kill into the stairwell. Yeah. But like when you when, yeah when you're going when you're dollars spent, it's the car chase. Yeah. And that's it. Has to be. Yeah. Um, which I think is I think is really good. I think and I think it's good for what the series ended up becoming and what it inspired was which was that exact idea where it's like it. It was. It's refreshing to see a guy who's supposed to be the best in the world, like get assaulted by two cops for a second, and in point three seconds they're both down. Like it didn't have to be showy because the the brevity d- is it describes to you how dangerous the character is. Yeah, which is smart. Yeah, I always like that about all of these movies. Is just when. Jason Bourne is up against, uh, you know, quote unquote, like normal person, not one of the highest level assassins like him. H- how he just takes them down in seconds yeah. is really cool. Yeah. yeah, it that makes sense to me. That yeah, is, that like all that stuff like paints paints the world correctly in, in a way that I think that a lot of this movie does. I wouldn't weirdly because I was I was trying to I was paying really close attention to it because I was I was like. This script is so good, not because I think the dialogue is particularly amazing. I think a lot of the dialogue is honestly a little stilted. Mm -hmm. But one, this movie has a lot of faith in the audience, which I like. Mm -hmm. Uh, And two, I I thought that the a lot of the sort of uh, a lot of the dialogue that exists that is really really small and simple uh, helps to essentially set up these characters who get zero backstory time for Jason Bourne on purpose and for everyone else just because of like it's his movie. Yeah. Um like for for as a quick example like all we learn about his love interest Marie um the only thing that we hear about her is that she's in the consulate. She's complaining at the consulate, she's asking for a student visa and then she gets bought off by Jason. So like that's the the only information we have about this woman is that she is also in trouble and might need something. The only establishing information we get about her after that is while in the car, she rambles for a moment about uh, buying into a business with a couple of friends and getting screwed over by the yeah. landlord and the fact that she's now alone. One Until the... the final scene, that's the, that is the only like thing that we get about her, but it's all you need. Because it yeah. tells you who this person is. It tells you that she's alone. And it also tells you that she's overly trusting. Yeah. And like you're like, oh, done. I get why you're doing this. Well, the, the guy with the, the buzz cut is uh, it also says, at, at, like, the tiniest bio of, of her to, to Chris Cooper. Oh, when they're doing he's her like, uh, He's uh, like, yeah, she's, she's a ghost. Uh, you know, she's popped. You know, she paid a utility bill here. Like, she popped up here and there. But yeah. she's kind of living off the grid. 
Um, but even, yeah, just, just hearing her and, you know, she obviously hard up in the, the consulate and then, you know, stranger offers you 20 grand, like, yeah, you get why most people are going to be like, fine. Yeah. Yeah. But you get why she sticks around because, because of mm-hmm. literally because of one sentence of dialogue where she's, she's talking in the car and then she, she's like nervous and whatnot, but it's yeah. like. Because a, a big a big plot hole could have been, if not played correctly, could have been like, why are yeah. you just with him? And the answer is that she's a weirdo. The answer is that she's <laughs> one of those people. I'm being like, yeah, she's oh. one of those people that back that like backpacks through Europe and then is just like, well, I live here now. Um, <laughs> well, and like many a lady, she wants to hook up with uh, pretty boy Matt Damon. Yeah, God, he's so pretty <laughs> in this one. Oh boy. But I think the, yeah, the movie does a good job of, of making him more likable and making their relationship make sense by there's a couple times where he's just like, go away, go to the police, <laughs> like get out now. Yeah. All right. So yeah, and, and they do a good job too of getting her out at the moment that it feels perfectly right. You know, like yeah. they don't make that mistake that I think an action movie was now to like keep finding convoluted reasons to keep her around until the end. I, I really like that basically at the end of the, I guess you'd call it the end of the second act or something, is, is you kind of like, they do make the choice to just sort of remove her from the story at that point. Yeah. It, it makes the most sense. So, yeah, this movie's very economical, very well written. Uh, Tony Gilroy's a really good writer, and he's a very terse, like, direct writer, and it really... Yeah, yeah, which it works for this. Yeah, it really works for this. So, yeah, I want to ask, on the, the Matt Damon front, uh, you know, he's he's about 30, 31 as they're, they're shooting this, and it's, you know, di- different era than, like, Dr. No, where you've got Connery the same age who, you know, looks like the most handsome 37-year-old in, in the world. Like, Damon reads a little younger, he's he's got the boyish face, uh, and he's playing the most deadly assassin in the world who not even going by the book, but like the sequels to this movie establish, he's been on a lot of missions. Do you think he's too young in this movie or slash if, if you're making this movie 20 years ago, uh, who would he be your first choice or, or no? Well, having read some of the cast, the other casting choices, it sounds like almost everyone else they went for was older. Like I read, yeah. so like Brad Pitt turned it down, which yeah. I, he's not that much older. I mean, he might have still felt a little bit young in this movie, but he's he's, he's like late thirties at this point when yeah. this comes out. Okay, yeah, so he w- might have done a little bit, but the other ones are like, like Sylvester Stallone, Arnold oh, Schwarzenegger, like yeah. Russell Crowe, who I, probably would have been good in this. Yeah, I think the gla- Gladiator choice. Russell Crowe Crow could yeah, have been really that's, that's yeah, pretty good. Crowe could have been really good in this. Yeah, if anyone I if I would have cast over Damon out of that group at least, it probably would have been Crowe. Yeah. A little bit older, but still young enough to feel dangerous. As opposed to like Stallone or Schwarzenegger would have felt old. I feel like Tom Cruise, you you don't believe that he's not in control and like doesn't, you know, I, I don't know if you believe Tom Cruise with amnesia necessarily. No. Oh, I just think too, he, he's already got Mission Impossible still going this way. Yeah, like, yeah. It would have been an impossible casting choice. That would have doomed their chances, I think, of this being good. I think it would have gotten lost in the shuffle. Well, I think you also, it requires like... It. I think that this was this is this. I think this is crazy smart casting, uh, especially like from where he was in his career at the moment. Because yeah. like the one he reads, he reads all American in a uh, not in a, a not in a like 
triathlon way, but in a just like he reads every man while being the handsomest every man that you could possibly find. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at this at this exact age and place where he is, um, and like he's he's a good enough actor that like a lot of his dialogue, like when you really listen to the words he's saying to people, if you if he wasn't careful, like th- this character could be incredibly unlikable yeah yeah like if mark hamill was nice playing to people. jason Bourne. <laughs> yeah like like he's not super nice to a lot of the people that he's around not because of any reason but because they like as we've said a lot of the dialogue is pretty tight and pretty terse and a lot of it is is if if the, the wrong choice was made could be made to to be a person who's constantly high strung but matt damon plays it in this awesome way where he's like with he he wants to be more upset than he is, but the training that's ingrained in him isn't letting him. Yeah, like I think that made, I think that Matt Damon does a really good job in this movie. Yeah, he's the most upset at the beginning on the boat, and then once he has an idea of what the stakes are, and that you know, once he learns what half an hour and that people are coming to kill him and are going to be for the rest of his life. He's like just doesn't have time to to be upset like that, and I think yeah, Matt, Matt Damon's kind of inherent likability helps when he you know yeah. even even with the character he he cares for and comes to to love, uh, he has to be just really stern and like okay let's we need to go right now like yeah so like, the the sorry the perfect example to me is in the car on the way to Paris uh, after the silence, uh, uh, she's like. Uh, Maria is like, all right, let's. I'll turn on some music, the the most basic human yeah. connector yeah, of anything. Yeah. And she just goes, "What do you want to listen to?" And he's like, "I." And he says, "I. I don't know. I don't. I don't know." She goes, "No. What do you want us to?" And she does the thing that we as people do, where she's trying. She's like, "Come on, it's an easy yeah. choice." <laughs> and he just has one line. He has one line of dialogue where he just goes, "Uh, he 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 just says, I don't know what what I want." He's like, "I don't know what I like." Yeah. And it's like Sylvester Sloan, it would have been like, you know, <laughs> I don't I don't know what I like. But he just he it's turns to her. Arnold. He he turns to her, he internalizes it. He's mad at himself. Yeah. And calmly he just says, like, I don't know what yeah. I want. And like well, that that to me is such an important choice, an important style for this character. That's when he says, fuck it, and just tells her that he has amnesia. Yeah. I, do, I also, too, just like the... And I wish the newer Bonds maybe would have taken a... I mean, Craig was a, was a good Bond. It's not... I, I like that he's everyman enough to sort of blend in. He doesn't look like a muscle-bound action freak, kind of. Like, yeah, he looks yeah, like a, yeah. a spy would really be. And sort of like yeah. the way you would imagine Bond looks like if you read how he was described in the books. Or even more of the way that, like... Look, I mean, Connery's obviously really handsome. He doesn't look like a muscle-bound freak. Like, he would appear yeah. relatively normal in public. Um, and I really like the casting choice just for that. Like, I believe this guy is, is, is much of a pretty boy as he is like a, not that noticeable guy walking around who could absolutely be a spy. And Mm -hmm. this is the one movie where I think where Damon reads a little young for me, but I think he, he ages nicely, uh, into the role in, in, in the next two movies. Yeah. I mean, talking beyond him, the, the casting in this movie being good, it's just a really interesting cast, uh, Chris Cooper is a great. Chris pick Cooper's really this, good yeah. in it. Yeah, the fact that Brian Cox is in it, I I totally yeah. forgot he was in the movie until I turned it on last. I night. love I was, him. Oh yeah, yeah. he's um, so good. He he's well, he's in all of them. He's uh, in, at least in this one and the second one, right? He yeah, I think Brian Cox dies in two. 
Yeah. But um, Clive Owen obviously is in it in a oh, very yeah. big role. Great. Yeah. Uh, honestly, God, I think so I think the whole farmhouse sequence is is my favorite. That's my part favorite of the scene movie. in the movie. Yeah, it's, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, it's great. Uh, yeah, when he when he kills Clive Owen and they just share that moment of like Clive Owen just suddenly becomes a human. And it's like shit, man, you killed me basically. Yeah. <laughs> or he, it's like you know they relate and like oh, you get the shakes, like you get the headaches, like yeah, look look at what they look what they do to us. Yeah, it is one of those moments, and it's it's what it is one of those small roles where you're just like, man, you're really wasting. Clive Owen here, like <laughs> prime Clive, he's yeah. Such, yeah, it's it's him at his at like height of his sort of like attractiveness and his age and stuff. And he's such a good actor. And you're just like, when he finally gets dialogue, you're like, ah, oh, crap, this dude's a star. This dude deserves second billing in a movie, first billing in a movie, not this part. Like he's too good for this role. Yeah, Julia Stiles just sort of randomly being in this is not a very big character. Again, like really interesting casting choice. Uh. Walton Goggins is yeah, just the yeah, random tiny. Like, I love that he's in it. I yeah. love him so much. Yeah. And he's he's good in the you know what the two talking scenes he has or whatever. It's just Well, this is also really early for him for his career, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think he'd been in anything. Yeah, he, at he this was point. no one really. Yeah. I feel like if I don't know if this is a, a fair comparison, but I, I was thinking like if uh Goodwill hunting at maybe talented mr ripley a little bit are, are like matt damon's like risky business like born identity is his top gun basically where it's like this is now kind of the guy for for this decade a little bit yeah yeah i i yeah i mean the casting's great the writing's really good my my biggest weakness with this movie is i and i like doug lyman and like a lot of his movies i don't particularly love the way that this movie is shot and i occasionally find myself it's funny you think you'd say this more about it if you weren't a fan of Greengrass's style, mm-hmm. but I find myself feeling a little disoriented at times in this oh, movie. Oh, interesting. Yeah. 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 No. no, I got the same thing. L- less at the beginning, but when he gets more comfortable and he's trying to do those sort of stylized, uh, per- per- like Paris street scenes, a lot of those, like, I feel like as an audience member, I'm like, all right, where do you want me to be looking, dude? Yeah, I wonder if there's like a Michael Bay influence a little bit, where it's like at the late '90s, action is kind of heading towards heading away from traditional geography and, and coherence and just to just lead with emotion and, and edit that way. There's kind some of. weird stuff in the, when, when they have the sex scene and he pulls out uh, to, to, he pulled, he, he does a, tr- a pull out where he pulls out of the room and then he, he tries to pull out to the, uh to the street to where, to just like the hotel, but it takes, the camera takes this weird turn literally out the door, like out a hallway, then out the door. And it's not on a true steady cam as if it was meant to be like your point of view. But exactly as you said, like it is a disorienting shot. It doesn't quite match the feel of the scene. And so you're left with this like ex- this dark nighttime exterior on a shitty hotel, which I get is supposed to juxtapose with the moment that we were just building to. But like... They, it, it, I don't know. It, it, it left me feeling like, like really weird. Like I was like, why are we? Where are we going after this? What do you, what do you want me to feel here? Yeah, and, and as much as I, I love, love the, uh, the farmhouse sequence with Clive Owen, I think that's the best scene. It's like there's times in that occasion where I sort of lose my sense of like, okay, where is Clive Owen? Yeah. Where is Matt Damon? Like, what is this accumulating towards? In yeah. Terms why of, like, can't they see each other? What yeah, are they doing? Yeah, and. and uh, Another reason why I'm really mentioning now too is in the stairwell sequence or when the in the consulate or whatever. Uh, aside from the fact that he uses the very very prominently placed 
floor signs, like five and three, so you know what floor people are on. I, I was very disoriented as to what was actually going on. And like where these guys were and the the soldiers and like what rooms they were looking in, where Matt Damon was. So yeah, I don't know. I, I would have... This movie could have been even better, I think, with a little bit more competent action director. With a little bit more fluid style and would you take tony scott for for this uh yeah like tony scott's someone who probably would have yeah. been perfect i mean that would have come to with him hamming it up probably 30 percent, which i'm not sure you want but yeah. like action wise <laughs> he would have been a good choice uh i mean I, I think there's a million guys i just don't think doug lyman's really but definitely at this point not much of an action director yeah apparently damon's doing a lot of that uh or ends up doing a lot of that climbing um on the outside of the the building there yeah um yo yeah we talked about his physique because uh, granted you put on a sh- you put a shirt on him and that's why M- dude got ripped for this movie yeah like don't get me wrong I, I i agree with you that the the whole point is that he did not go like what we now think of as like marvel yeah sort of like like you know jokingly uh ripped and i <laughs> i will say st- hate the pull-ups on the boat i hate the pull-ups on the boat it's the dumbest thing. He's like, I don't know who I am, but I must keep fit. <laughs> must do pull-ups on the shaking boat in the middle of the ocean. S- screw that. That is that is an awful choice. Uh, uh, and don't know why that's in the movie. But there is like two specific moments where you're supposed to remember that he's very attractive. And it's like it's when he's in like the tank top, and it's and you see that like he has been bulking up. This is not Goodwill Hunting, Matt Damon. Like this dude's been in the gym. Um, uh, and like you are, those are the moments where you're supposed to be like, oh, he might, maybe he could snap a man's neck with his, like, just like with his bare hands. Yeah. He'd look, yeah. He looks good. It's just that he doesn't look like you said, like that Marvel level of just like, uh, did you like roid up or like, yeah. how did you gain this much mass? You know? And, and and steroids is the is the answer yes yeah thank you yeah you put a sweater on Matt Damon he looks like a really regular human being this and most dude of this movie. if this if this and Mission Impossible and James Bond have taught me anything it's that apparently I will never be uh, a spy because I cannot pull off a turtleneck I of the three of us I think only one of us could pull off a turtleneck by <laughs> the way. Go ahead and guess amongst yourselves. Not me. I'm, I'm gonna say coin flip. I'm gonna say Will Daniel. Oh, I was I was I, gonna say you. Oh, oh really? Road Warrior. Okay, I'll yeah. have to try that then. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I definitely think you could. I I I I don't have a neck, um, to I, to speak of. I do so, have an abnormally so mine... long neck. You're right. I never yeah. thought of it that way. We should get you in like a dark cable knit uh sweater. Granted, we don't want to accidentally like you know uncover some repressed memories. Maybe you're a spy. I don't know. Uh, nobody knows that much of where I came from. Yeah, we I should just... get you in uh, Lazenby's like golfing outfit and and Honor oh, Majesties. Yes. Yeah, I'm gonna become a turtleneck guy. I think, yeah, <laughs> with this information, I'm getting you a turtleneck. We're gonna get you a turtleneck. Thank I want to yeah. send you some links. Yeah, I think you could. I I honestly think you could rock one. Yeah, cable knit is fine. Any style of it is. It's great. Well, you live in LA. That's the only hard part. Is it'll be it'll be too warm to wear it ninety percent of the time. But like in December, maybe going out to dinner, you could rock a cable net. Uh, uh, this is great for an audio medium. Let's talk about the movie. <laughs> okay, we've we've got the movie up, which is going through the um the Treadstone Assassins, like all getting getting their assignment to to go after Warren sequence, which uh, 
it's a good place to talk about John Powell's score, which is really cool and does so does good. some real heavy lifting in, in this movie. Mm. I, I remember driving with with uh, friends in high school, uh, at least one guy who like not a person who like listened to movie scores at all, but who just like had the the Treadstone Assassins John uh, Powell track and would play that. It's just like ding ding boom 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 boom. It's really cool, like electronic. I mean, it's it's all like almost like dance music. The this part, some of the score, uh, re- really cool though. Yeah, I. Uh- I love I love movie scores. I love film scores. It's a thing that I usually am the person that brings up. I'm so glad you brought it up because John Powell's work in this one is freaking amazing. It it is it is dated not in a bad way. It just it feels of the time exactly with what you said. There's a lot of electronica. There's yeah. a lot of stuff like that. But this movie, to me, is his lead up. Um, this is what he used to practice. To create what of what of, one of my favorite scores of all time, and what I think is one of the best uh, spy slash heist scores of all time, which is Italian, Italian job uh, Oh my <laughs> god! Oh yeah! You can hear it. You can hear so much of it in this score, not in a bad way, but in that like Hans Zimmer uh, gladiator to pirates way, right? Where it's like it's not bad. I'm not saying that he copied himself. But I'm just saying that the motifs he uses in this. He, the, there are moments when they're going from scene to scene, from 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 street to, to this to that, where he has the strings that are going like da 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 da, like he has a John Powell understands how to score movement better than almost any other living mm-hmm. uh, uh, composer. Like he he creates sounds that let you know that things are happening, whether or not you are watching, in a way that is absolutely sharp. The same way that John Williams can tell you what a character is thinking, mm-hmm. John Powell can tell you what they are doing without you having to open up your eyes. Yeah, it's it's a really great score. Yeah, um, and he, he mentioned Hans Zimmer. I think he he uh, was under Zimmer and and probably you know ghost scoring a lot of stuff for for Zimmer for for a while. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind he must have done some stuff on like Face Off to to name one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, his uh, his score is really good. All of the the elements of this are really good. I I think in terms to go back to the the writing a little, or just the story. And this might come from the I've never read the books. I don't know the source material. I like this as a spy movie because he's not really doing any spying. I mean, I guess if you want to call this a spy movie. I don't know. It's kind of it's more of an action thriller. I'm not sure yeah, it's yeah. a spy movie, but even as an action thriller, I like that. Bourne has no goal he's trying to accomplish the whole movie. Yeah, he's just kind of running for his life. And, like, the side plot, they do a good job of maintaining this other side plot of the people who are trying to accomplish a goal. Yeah. But also simultaneously trying to kill him. Because, like, they still want to assassinate Nikwana Wambosi. Yeah. And, like, that's a plot that continues in this movie, the thing that he failed on. But, like, he never gets roped back into it. He never has anything else to do with it again, other than the fact that he was involved before. And then he's just sort of running around Europe trying not to get killed. It's a very fun, like... I don't know. It's just an interesting... They don't do a lot of movies where the main character doesn't really have a discernible goal other than stay alive. And yeah, I like that about this. And, and the the bad guys, I mean, you, you could argue in, in the long run, they're they're sort of you know playing this game for, for power. But in the short term of this movie, 
uh, Chris Cooper and um, Brian Cox are just trying to cover up their mess and not burn for the international crimes that yeah. they're committing. Yeah. I should say that uh, it's very rare for a non-horror movie for the main character's only objective to just be stay alive. There's a yeah. lot of movies where that's the objective, but they all fall sure. into another genre than this, yeah. I think it was uh, Supremacy or Ultimatum where I remember Roger Ebert and his review was like, man, these like Bourne movies really d- depend on like the CIA thinking that it'll be the end of the world for them if, if people find out that they've got hit squads, you know, breaking international law, killing people around the world. Doesn't everyone kind of know the CIA does that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but it's just a fun, it's a very interesting story and interestingly plotted movie to me as well. I think that was one of the things I was most like, uh, watching it with a more critical eye sort of kind of enjoyed. So do do you think John Powell uh, scored this movie and, you know, the... And and because actually they they're using we we talked about collateral a little bit last time with the the Mission Impossible slash Cruise episode, uh, they they play the same like dance techno song Paul Oakenfeld I think it's Ready Steady Go, uh, when when Cruise is shooting people in the nightclub as when the the car chase in this movie so I think may, maybe uh, Powell scored this movie and was like, oh, I really wish I could have done the, the mini Cooper chase. And they were like, you want to do Italian job? He's <laughs> like, Oh yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, speaking of, cause I do, I think that this chase is great, especially given like, I don't want to, I, I don't want to say on a budget cause I will just call it realism. Like this feels like a real chase. This yeah. feels like a, 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 a police trying to catch a car with people in it that they think have, have possibly killed someone. Or at least their suspects, but like, it it had me thinking because it is it's a really well directed scene. I really like it. It sh- one it shows the the uh, it, it has that uh, show don't tell thing that I that uh, I was I said that uh, they allowed the uh, they trust the audience a lot in this movie. Like he sees the cop. We, sorry, we see him see the cop. Right, we see him see something. They cut to the cop. They cut back to him. He turns to her and he's like. Uh, by the way, how did your car handle? Yeah, <laughs> and she says, it, and she says, fine. It lists a little to the right, and says, he says, yeah, I felt the tires were bad. Yeah, he looks back up, cuts to more cops, cuts back to him. He pulls out a city map of Paris and starts studying it. There's no dialogue. He doesn't prep her. He doesn't say anything. It cut, uh, cuts back to the cop car. The lights turn on, and the chase starts. Yeah, and so now, as an audience, we don't have to to instead of him, you know, saying like, you know. The, the police are going to come, but don't worry. I've I've done all these things. I've mapped it all out. We're all going to do well. All the BS that they would do in a movie now, like, they they trust that we're going to get it, and they trust that we're going to understand how good this man is at his job in a way that I think is really awesome. And then they just do this chase scene, which is badass, in a Mini Cooper. How, how many of the top ten car chases uh, in movie history have Mini Coopers? Three? Four? <laughs> Like more than most other car uh, car companies. Yeah, that is funny. Yeah, a lot of Mini Cooper car chases. So I, I was thinking with the James Bond connection. This I, I don't know if this was like a reference point for them necessarily, but it does make me think of of Bond, who's usually driving Aston Martins and Lotuses, uh, suddenly being stuck in a, a the little yellow Citroen and For Your Eyes Only. Yeah. Uh, and and having you know this super spy that has to use 
kind of crappy little little car. Yeah. Um, and she's got a pretty old Mini Cooper, I think, in this one too. Um, oh yeah. And the, even like the new uh, the Mission Impossible trailer, you see him in a pretty similar little old car. Yeah. I think it's just well, it like also, funny. It also, to, sorry, go ahead. I think that's like a funny spy convention now at this point. It's like, oh, the the super spy is going to have to get in the little shitty car. Yeah. <laughs> I'll also say that it calls back to the 1998 uh, Ronin, uh, Ronin, which is rules. which has possibly possibly the greatest car chase of all time, and is also in minis. Um, Wait, no, I think they're in like they're in some regular ass like sedans. I think in in Ronin. Are you sure? I, I believe you. Yeah, I believe you over myself. But I I thought it was Mini Coopers. I think De Niro. I th- there's at least one Mercedes in that. I think they're they're just like very normal looking cars in in Ronin. It is really. Oh, I was mistaking. One of them is in a Peugeot, which is a a French, a uh, a very bad uh, French brand, and then the yeah. other one's a BMW. Okay. Um. But they're in a uh, a Peugeot. At least they were not in a Du Chevaux, which is a an even crazier French uh, car. The French have weird cars. The French have weird a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um. But uh. But yeah. The, uh, this to me called back th- a lot of those scenes in in that famous car chase because of the tight turns, the quick corners, the fact that like a lot of the action doesn't stem from speed as much as it does agility. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely. I, I'm sure more than for eyes only or any Bond thing they. You know, this is the kind of movie where they want you to think about French Connection and Bullet and those kind of car chase movies, if if anything. Ronan, yeah, could have easily been a reference point for, for these guys. Yeah. Uh, what what do you think are the two, or what, what what's the most, like, Bond-like thing in this movie? Man, that's hard to say. I'm I'm not sure this shares a lot of DNA with many Bond movies prior to it. Yeah. I think if anything, the most Bond movies, how much that ones after that come Quantum after are so similar to this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I feel like the know, the, I, I, the jet kind of the jet setting going to different locations. They don't go to that many different locations. I mean, they're mostly in France the whole time. But yeah, where where are they? Um, he meets her in Germany. Yeah, um, and then they just go to France, right? Yeah, he meets her. He meets her in Zurich, right? Uh, oh, okay. so oh right, yeah. right. Uh, and then they drive from there to uh, Paris. And, and then, then, if I'm not mistaken, the end of the movie is on the Swiss border, or something like that. No, I think they no they get, they get out of Paris to the countryside for the farmhouse thing. But that, then I think they go back to they Paris. They go back to Paris. I, I think, yeah, yeah. The, the safe end house is, is in there Paris. in the end. But that's what I meant by that's what I meant by the by the by the Swiss border. Oh, I thought the farmhouse like, was near the Swiss border because the end end is so, in Greece. Okay, yeah. After they go back to after they go back to Paris. Yeah. When when he's when he's like, can I borrow a moped? And she's like, wait wait, let me do my good line. <laughs> she's like, do you have ID? And they're like, this is still a movie. Let's kiss. Uh. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely this movie is the reason why uh, I have my bank account number in a laser pen in my back. Yeah, I mean, sewed in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How, how else are you gonna fa- do it oh. if you want to be safe? You know what? 
That is the most, you know, their easy, easy answer. That is the most James Bond thing. Because the actual CIA is cheap bastards. And if anything, it would be a capsule, but then it would be inside of a piece of paper in the capsule. It is some James Bond shit for it to be a laser pointer. That is the most James Bond thing in this movie. Yeah, that might be. There's This definitely shares less DNA with Bond than like Mission Impossible does. Uh, you know, yeah. um, watch that last. I feel like the the two most like heightened action moments for, for me are the the guy uh, swinging in on a rope, firing a machine gun, and then obviously at the end sure. j- jumping down the stairwell. Like those both feel like they could have been in in Brosnan movies. Yeah, they, yeah, they, the 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 jump would have at least been comedic though. Yeah, uh, it, yeah, in Brosnan <laughs> or the jump, yeah, or the yeah, yeah. Bond would have like straightened his tie or something after, like, uh, I, yeah, I mean that the jump, especially like the the stairway jump, pretty goddamn stupid, but still kind of cool at the same I time. <laughs> it's like it is, it's hard to it is an excellent. With. It's an excellent idea, but it suffers from the thing that we talked about with Mission Impossible, where. It given the time that this was made, it looks bad. Yeah, that yeah. that also. Uh, it's a great idea. Yeah, the, the shot where he's shooting at the guy as he's falling down that's on the other floor is like comically bad. It's like almost I don't think it's necessarily slow mo, but just like the angle and everything about yeah, it looks it's, silly. It's a not great of, yeah. composite. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, if if they just augmented it a little bit, and he you know could somehow jump into a, a dumpster or something down like that would be really cool but it's just just the that he goes down like eight flights or something and then is totally fine after just landing like, on a corpse <laughs> i think you can do that i don't think that's necessarily unrealistic it just seems unrealistic because uh-huh. it's like yeah uh, cool because i like the build-up to it i like everything about it except for the actual way that it shot and again yeah. i think you could do it better there's two ways to do it better Either you either you shoot it now or you shoot it in Shanghai. <laughs> those, are the two, those are the two ways you make it better. Is you 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 let them use uh, uh, computers from the future to make it look better, or you are able to hire stuntmen that you can pay less money to. Um, because like when he's kicking the corpse, yeah. to get to fall down, that's awesome. Yeah, and then he and he grabs it and he jumps and it's great. But then he begins to fall, and your your brain now, because we're so used to better stuff, immediately you're like, no, mm, uh, this is fake. And then he he pauses in midair to be able to shoot someone, and then the actual fall, the actual landing is clearly two very bad digital composites. Yeah. So it's like, the whole thing is only about four seconds. Yeah, it's yeah. Just like, it's the only four seconds in the whole movie that isn't practical effects. Well, right before then also feels like the most like late 90s or early 2000s bit where he's got the two guns and like one of them's upside down. It's very like John Woo for for a few seconds there. Um, but I, li- I like that him him fighting with the, the guy out there. And most of that scene is, is cool. The, the showdown um, with with Chris Cooper, I think, works really well. Yeah, or well, Chris, Chris Cooper is allowed to do some like some like legit Chris Cooper acting. Where yeah, he's like I'm gonna yell at you now, but in a way that you like. Yeah, well, and Chris Cooper being like, I might be able to get the upper hand here just by verbally abusing this guy. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, that's definitely the strategy. 
uh, but also great. Uh, I like the kind of the main villain of this movie just being randomly assassinated by one of his own guys on on the street. Is fun. Yeah. Well, it makes it so. It makes it American. You know, if you really want to boil it down, the the reason to me why a lot of this does not feel like James Bond DNA until James Bond, as we said, the reason why it's in this in this podcast is that James Bond very clearly is all inspired by this after it yeah um but the this feels american the same way that uh that jack ryan feels american right yeah this has way more in common with clear and present danger and and all the jack ryan films than it does with anything else because this is this is the american version of a of a military slash government hero in that like whereas bond always gets to feel like he's separate from the machine like when the whole point of almost every one of the American movies is that, sorry, dude, like you're just a cog in the machine. Yeah. Like, like Bond gets to be a number out of a set amount of numbers. Jason Bourne is is called a robot to his face. Yeah. That would never happen to James Bond. No. Well, uh, until Casino Royale, he gets called the blunt instrument. Uh, true. True. I, I think. Yeah, I think if this movie comes out and does the business that it does, and then they just call it a day, uh, maybe it's not so much a consideration for how we're going to shape Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace. I think two years after this, Born Supremacy, getting better reviews, making more money is like, okay, we have to, this has to be a factor in how Bond goes forward. Yeah. Also, the the anti-Bond slash... uh, um, MacGyver factor is is born just like using whatever. In the second one, he he grabs a magazine and beats up some guy. In this one, he's just grabbing for anything on the table and stabs the guy a few times with the the pen while he's fighting. Yeah, I was about to say the magazine fight and the pen fight are are awesome. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, those are both high level. Especially when the dude pulls the pen out of his own hand. Yeah, it allows you to, it allows you to see like what level of villain they're working with. I. As much as and and I I completely agree. As much as we're sort of bagging on certain directorial choices, I think that this the things that allowed this to be good enough to get sequels is a lot of the fact that like it was not directed like an action movie mm-hmm. unless you were in the action sequences. I th- yeah, I think overall Doug Liman does a really good job, uh, and this scene does a good job then with uh, Marie, um, her finally kind of realizing what the stakes are and the, the world that she's wandered into where she's going, why would the guy jump out the window? Why does he have a picture yeah. of me from the consulate? Her kind of being in shock there and Jason just being cool and like, okay, I, I can get us out. We have to go right now. Yeah. Yeah. And then as they're leaving the, just like, don't look. Yeah. Yeah. Don't look <laughs> dead. Come on. And then, they're, and then they're in the, they're in the car and she's staring at a police officer who will be able to give her description yeah. And so he's literally just like, turn away. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. he plays it. All, all, of his, all of his little choices like that, all those little pieces of dialogue help build like the mythos of his character so much. I need to speak very quickly on the fact that as uh, uh, Matt Damon is so good in this, and, he, and I think that this is an excellent performance by him, and he reads, as I've said, as every man, he, he is able to escape... His uh, this is what I think one of the big things that helped him escape the sort of Boston trap, yeah, um, that a lot of people fall into, except for the fact that he had to have uh, the main love interest be named Marie, 
Because any time that he yells or says her name, suddenly he's just a boy from Southie. As it's just like, I'm anyone. I could be anyone on the street. And then he goes, Marie. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> How do I like those apples, Matt? How do I like those apples? Yeah, to, to go back to speaking of her and going back to casting, I do like the casting of her because she's not really a star. Yeah, yeah. She's never really been in anything I've seen other than Run, Lola, Run, I think, in this. Yeah, that was kind of her international breakout. And... Yeah, and I don't... When does that movie come out? I, I think a couple years before I this. I guess she's maybe still kind of hot off the heels of that, but she's definitely not an, an actress you'd think of in the American market and yeah. feels sort of randomly cast but does a really good job. Good, I think it good was chemistry it, with Damon. I think they were counting on on Damon and like if you've heard of the books to to sell this movie yeah. and and wanting to keep the budget relatively low for for a big action movie. Uh, and, yeah, and it's not, a classic American you know, choice. Yeah, uh, I pay Catherine Zeta Jones to be in this. Like, yeah. but even yeah. so, like, L- let's cast like a uh, let's cast a a foreign actress that that might do well out of market. And that is is going to be uh like we know is going to be good because she did she does run Lola run in ninety eight and then she's in Blow in two thousand one or like the the big yeah. thing she did right before this okay but I they, forgot ha- I forget who she is in Blow yeah but so I mean she's she been Ellie Cruz yeah she's been Ellie Cruz okay that makes sense um but the, yeah think of how distracting it would be if that role is just like Renee Zellweger or something yeah. it's like where are we going. Well, yeah, I'm just trying to think if there were any other, like, bigger, maybe international stars, like, to speak about, like, Sophie Marceau or something. Yeah. She would have probably been too sophisticated for this. She could have never pulled... I'm just trying to think if there was any, yeah, like, she, bigger... Yeah, she reads high, high class. little high class. Of... But, like, were there any other kind of big European actresses around that you might have maybe considered casting? Uh, maybe she was big for European actresses, and I just haven't seen enough stuff, but... Yeah, I, I think they just want someone at that level. We've got a couple movies we know she can act, but yeah. we don't have to pay her a million dollars. Yeah. Uh, if it was made a bit, if it was made literally just a couple years later, then I would have said uh, that the the Dutch uh, uh, girl from In Bruges, who is so freaking good, the, oh. the she plays Colin Farrell, Colin Farrell's girlfriend. Yeah, from uh, from Harry Potter. This, who is yes, who is also in Harry Potter. She she would have been perfect for this. Yeah, she she'd have been good. She she could have just about been in this. Like she's probably early twenties at, at this point. I will tell you, she's thirty nine now, so she's eleven years younger than Matt. Uh, um, all right, so yeah, she's like. So she was like, probably she would have been, like just barely eighteen, just barely nineteen maybe. as they're filming this. So yeah. that that's a little weird. Uh. Um, but but because in Bruges is, is two thousand eight, and she's playing a really similar character, which is why which is why I thought of it, obviously. Yeah. Um, but like but like I think that she also would have been would have been like bang rang for for something like this. Yeah, I mean, there's there's Rachel Vice, but that again, may, maybe she's too famous at, at this point after the Mummy movies. Speaking of the Mummy movies, uh, the the in the uh, African warlord dude is. Uh, one of my favorite characters oh. in uh, the second Mummy movie. I've never put uh, that together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Lo- he's Lokna. <laughs> yeah, he plays uh he plays uh he plays Lokna, the the like the the main adversary uh, of um uh, of Adet Bay uh, in the second Mummy movie. Wow. Yeah, he says some shit like "Not bad for a magi." For a magi, <laughs> I. <laughs> 
can't. We can't do this. We can't do this. Because Can we do the I mummy watch those movies. Can yeah, we, we can't it? do this Look. because I watch those movies at least <laughs> twice a year. I, I, I'm very close to getting a, a tattoo from the mummy. Like, like those movies are too close to home. I could talk about the first mummy movie for like six hours straight. Not a joke. Look, when we eventually spin off into just random action movies, we're we're doing mummy commentaries uh, all, all around. I love they're, I, they're just oh, it's so good. Yeah, uh, the first two mummy movies are let's get turned. I say let's do it. Not you're not there for Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. I'm not there for Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. <laughs> I'm not. You I'm might, also you not. might get I'm, me for Scorpion yeah. King. It's, maybe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right, the, should we have the Matt Damon conversation? I think it's the right time. I feel like the only thing I'm going to point out is, particularly in this scene, in the chase scene, man, did the Bourne movies make blue and orange a really, really popular color scheme for action movies? Yeah. The blue, the blue and orange uh, police lights instead of the like, classic blue-red ones? Damn. Like, the poster itself, they made blue oh, yeah. and orange so, like, the absolute must-have action colors for the next decade and a half. Well, again, Max brought up Ronan. This this makes me think of of Ronan also, because the at least the the longer um, the best car chase in that movie is is all kind of gray and and rainy. And uh, are are they in Paris in that one? Or are they? Uh... I think it's Paris, but it could also be like yeah. Um, I'm doing that American thing where I'm where I, I could easily be confusing like three different cities because I'm an idiot. Yeah, I'll I'll uh, agree with your statement slash question that the second uh, slash last car chase in ronin i think is the best movie car chase it's so good it's so freaking good there are there are car chases that are faster and therefore might be quote-unquote cooler it is it is from a technical standpoint it is so good i also love everything that happens in the first two transporter movies i could do a whole podcast on just like car chase scenes and i don't even drive um a regular car uh, the last time I was behind the wheel of a regular car, I was getting my license. But that's what's cool about a lot of these movies is that they're just in a crappy old Mini Cooper in this. The the chase, which is a great chase in Supremacy, he's just in a cab that he's stolen. Like Ronan, they're like it's a BMW and the crappy French car that that you said. Like you can have a great sure. chase scene, and you don't need to be in a, a Mustang or something. But yeah, D- Damon's kind of like I-, I feel like Damon's like a cross between like Tom Cruise and Tom Hanks kind of where like can absolutely play the the all-American everyman like uh, you know can can do the action thing, can be a spy. I feel like you you don't really believe Cruise as like, you know, C- Cruise couldn't be the janitor in and Goodwill Hunting yeah. or something or like Tom, if, uh, Tom Cruise couldn't be the informant. Yeah, if if, if Cruise is is like working in a cubicle, you're like, but he kills people on the side. Like, yeah. <laughs> Where's the twist? Yeah. When's that happening? D- does he moonlight as uh, the most high profile lawyer in in the city? Yeah. Like. <laughs> Yeah, I actually was having a conversation uh, with my buddy Todd this weekend about how Damon is kind of like the perfect actor in my mind from the standpoint that sometimes the he's not like a Clooney-type guy that's just sort of playing a version of Clooney every time, and it's just about the charisma and the good looks and the charm, but it's always kind of the same. There's a little bit more depth. Like, he can pull off characters, and he can pull off, you know, some pretty 
cool things. He's a good enough actor to do that, but he never quite falls into that, like, Christian Bale, Robert De Niro, Daniel Day-Lewis. He's not, like, a method actor who's just totally losing himself, which also becomes, like, a little exhausting. Mm -hmm. He's sort of the perfect, to me, like, middle ground actor. And he's a little bit everyman, like Tom Hanks, like you said, but he can, you know, be an action star, too. Can be funny. I don't know. He does... He's a very, 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 very good actor. He's in a yeah. So, yeah, so I say he's an actual actor. Yeah. yeah, he's in a similar category. I I might say to to Denzel and that like the the kind of you know makes Ooh. makes a lot of action makes a lot of you know sure what what are expected to be uh, popular and entertaining movies, but will will do some some weird indie shit and and is definitely shows up to work and, and is there to, to act on, on whatever the project. Yeah. yeah. He can he can shoot a gun. He can be the guy who who is behind a desk and is nervous all the time. And then he can he can do like the really weird black and white, like weird hair choice uh uh movie. Like like, you know, that's that is uh You're talking I, about I, the, I the just, Ray Wall? Um oh boy. <laughs> I literally just named, you know, like what I just said uh, very loosely describing three different movies could, describes like nine different movies from both Denzel and from Matt. <laughs> uh, did Did you guys see um the last duel? No. Uh no. It's, I saw his hair. <laughs> yeah, I think it's on HBO or something. Was um, it good? good. Yeah, I heard, I heard it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a pretty good movie. It's it's worth watching. Ben Affleck is there... is having all the fun that no one else is having in it. Um, <laughs> It's uh, he stole it. He stole, he all, the stole fun. all the fun. Everyone else is sad. It's peak drunk Affleck. <laughs> there are too many good actors it's, in uh, it for it to be bad. Was my thinking, but I, yeah. I had no interest in seeing it. Uh, well, maybe maybe don't watch it then. I, I well, yeah, I thought well, no, it was... no, no, it's not the fault. I will also say that that then um, because that's is it really that was really Scott that was the the. Uh-huh. Is that the one that he? That's the one where he he really Scott decided to take a take a shit on just modern human beings in the pursuit of art, where he, where where he was like people just don't get the last duel, uh, and uh, and and he was like where, where he 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 didn't have his whole thing about people not coming out to see to see movies anymore, and I'm like maybe people some... just don't want to see specifically a movie <laughs> about about fucking two dudes in the Middle Ages who may have slept with the same woman. Like, I'm sorry, that's not everyone's thing, dude. Yeah, I mean, he made a, a broader point, I think, about, you know, the fucking millennials only want to go to Marvel movies, which is, like, kind of true for a, a lot of people. Yeah. Like, it, it always frustrates me when I, I talk to, to people who are like, oh, I only go see Marvel movies, and it's like, oh, are you a big comic fan? No, it's just, like, that's where the culture, like, that seems important or something. It's like, ah. Uh. Go see this movie. While I, while I get that, people didn't. While I get that, people no, didn't go see Titanic because they loved the work of James Cameron. They went and saw Titanic because the whole world said, "Holy shit, have you seen Titanic?" Like, yeah. I'm sorry, The Last Duel isn't that movie, man. Like, make yeah. your point on a movie that can hold the point. I, I, yeah. Props to Fox for for funding it, but. Uh, there's there was no way last year that medieval rape movie was gonna do any business at the box office. No, no, it's no House of Gucci in terms of appeal. 
Yeah. It's no house of Gucci. <laughs> Paolo. <laughs> I uh, have also. I have not seen that movie. <laughs> I think I could. I think I could quote the whole movie, even though I've never seen it. This have you seen the uh, on, on YouTube? <laughs> so, someone did a, a edit on YouTube of the um, Nicole Kidman heartbreak feels good in a place like this, like where they do the whole AMC ad with Nicole Kidman, but they just have the like <laughs> sex scene from House of Gucci where they're doing it on like a desk in like <laughs> like trailer park the whole time. And she's watching that. Awesome. <laughs> I did see. I did see a great video of, of a bunch of neighbors having like an outdoor movie night. Uh, and before they were allowed to start the movie, ev- everyone did have to recite the Nicole Kidman uh, 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 entire sort of monologue verbatim. Just a bunch of people deadpan. We come to this place for magic. It was no dead serious. I'll send yeah. it to you guys. It was absolutely hilarious. It was on. I think it was on TikTok. That's great. Um, but um, but no, I I apologize. I I. I am also like the normally an, an apologist for for like really snooty booty artists, but I'm just like you you made you made Prometheus you made you made, you've made too many stinky poo poo ones for me to be like good job Ridley congrats well, Ridley. and you've made too many he's made way too many mediocre movies in the last twenty years for people to not roll their eyes when you still keep rolling out from the director of Gladiator and it's like okay yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah aside from The Martian I think he's hurt his stock a lot uh, here in these last there are certain people there are certain directors that if they were like hey please come see my movie in a movie theater because I think it'll be its best version Ridley Scott can't do that you you don't get if adam sandler was like please come see my new happy madison (laughs) film in theaters for the real experience that is the that is maybe the level at which i trust ridley scott right now yeah i'll I'll always watch the new ridley scott movie but yeah i'm I'm not uh putting any stock in in it being great necessarily no no need to to touch on uh Moby's extreme ways, seeing as we we might have four more opportunities to talk about that song. So, yeah. <laughs> but cool, cool way to end the movie. I, I think it, it still it kind of dates it, but kind of yeah. works. So let, let's go five favorite uh, Matt Damon movies. Uh, I I did uh, perhaps controversially in that uh, my number five uh he is a, a supporting character but i just really like this performance of his uh, i have true grit oh Whoa, nice. Yeah. nice i think it's kind of an underrated movie at, at this point uh and he he rules in it he's he's really good and funny did we all see it together or did i see it i saw it with one of you <laughs> no but i i know uh you, you, you know my true <laughs> I know how much you love I saw saying it, the the line. I saw it late at night with somebody. I saw it late at night at a, at a, a in a theater with somebody, and there was maybe eight nine people in the in the whole audience. And I had said to my friend before, I was joking about about movies saying the title uh, in the in the in the thing, uh, and then and she does as we all know because I think it was in the trailer, right? Um, but she she comes out and, she, and she, the little girl goes. I heard you were a man, and you can feel the the just the the, the hot pause of true grit. And in this theater, I just started cheering wildly. I was like, "Yeah!" as if that as if that was the reason I came. And very luckily, the other seven people laughed and were into it. Um, 
I, I really like True Grit. That was a good movie. Um, but yes, I did. That that point will always make me laugh. I just heard Edgar Wright on some podcast recently where he was saying like, every time he's in a theater and they say the title of the movie, he, he'll stand up and clap for a few seconds. And like I knew he, we'd, I knew we'd get along. Oh, and and yeah, he specifically you know made sure to have someone say "Last Night in Soho" in, in "Last Night in Soho." Uh, well, what's your your number five? Or I either you, Max. Uh, yeah, I'll go. I'll go. I will. I will also say that uh, as per usual, mine are a combination of not truly in order. And also I I also may have done something weird. I I've kind of gone with just best movies, best Yeah. Uh like not necessarily best performance. And granted they obviously do sync up a bunch, but um the top of my list is going to very heavily show where they don't sync up. Um and in number 5 I put The Martian. Uh his yeah. his it's it it's probably higher up on y'all's. It, it, I'm not saying that it is his his fifth best performance or anything. I I think that movie's great. I think that it that he's really great in it. Any actor that can be ninety percent of a movie, yeah, uh, is a damn good actor. Yeah, it's a real castaway situation, and that's one uh, of a couple a couple that I'm glad you put because I I didn't put, but you you got to give so much credit. Like that should be kind of to the top if you're just doing it by like what's the what are the movies that this person helps the most? And I mean, yeah. How does, how does, how, what movie does this person prove that they are a, like a person that can carry something? Yeah. They, they prove that they're a movie star and like how many other people could you see holding this movie in this way? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think my list is largely formed with a few of set, um, exceptions by just what I think are the best movies that he's in. Yeah. Uh, the ones that I enjoy the most too, you know, and and I think I probably have the most suspect five, just from the standpoint that he's not in this very often, but he is really really good in the scene that he's the couple of scenes that he's in. He's so fucking good, and I watched it recently, and I just was reminded of how underrated of a movie I think it is. But Interstellar, I think his oh. scene in that is oh, so. Sure freaking cool when they get I to thought, that planet and he's just playing that I thought sm- you were going to say dogma uh, <laughs> I, I thought about including a Kevin Smith movie and then I'm just like no I can't I I'm not 21 be- anymore like I have to move on you know it's, uh, like he's so good in that scene in Interstellar it, yeah. it's unbelievable he just plays this smarmiest like sort of like faux like you can tell something's wrong with him right when they get there but you're like oh yeah. but he's so nice and then it's like now nah, this guy's just a monster. He faked all that data to get them to come rescue him, and like, it's such a good maybe ten minutes of screen time. And I, I, I do think that's a really good movie, and was even myself underestimated it greatly when it first came out. It's it's like the couple of times Cruz or or for my money like Pierce Brosnan has played evil, where we're like taking the inherent charm or at least he's not even like that charming in interstellar it's just like you're taking the baggage of like i like matt damon yeah and then being like wait what the fuck yeah yeah he, like how am i how, yeah why are you doing this to a person yeah. that i'm supposed to enjoy yeah. i think like even though it is it is not a particular it's not a movie that's going to be remembered but you uh Pierce Brosnan's performance in the foreigner the jackie chan movie where he is just an evil irish bastard fucking pretty such a good performance pretty good movie yeah, yeah. not yeah. a bad movie uh, my number four i've uh one of the best thrillers from the 90s a talented mr ripley um yeah we got e- evil damon uh really stylish uh fun movie mm. 
Um, I, for my fourth, have put The Departed. Uh, yeah, it's The yeah. Departed. You gotta put it. It's I, As much as it is kind of becoming a bit of a punchline, weirdly... Um, because like it is, it comes from that, that, that time period of sort of like very heavy movie that was like character, character forward in a way that, yeah, it's probably writ a little, a little sort of like weaker, reductive. Like it's, I, it's still, you know, has so many good performances in it and he's, he's a big part of it. That's, that's maybe the Damon movie that I've seen the most. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to talk about it later. So I'm going to refrain yeah. from saying anything right now. Yeah. Uh, it's your number four. My number four is The Martian. Uh, I really like it. He's great in it. Uh, I mean, for all the reasons we kind of already said, I have nothing beyond the fact that, yeah, you're right, he carries 90% of that movie, and it's just a really fun, well-done movie. And I think I said this earlier, but for me, it's kind of Ridley Scott's last really good movie, or the one that I actually enjoy and think is a legitimately good movie. That movie's awesome. Yeah. Um, has a really great underrated uh, Donald Glover uh, performance in it, mm. uh, right? Is that the one where he's he's the guy that that he's the scientist that um uh, uh that that figures out sort of like how they're going to get the ship to him? I think he is. I yeah. haven't seen it since it came out, but I think so. I want to say that it is, and I'm gonna be really upset if it's not. Yeah, yeah. Donald Glover uh, plays a, a, a it, rich Purnell. It's got a monster cast. It's got a really good. Oh, cast. it's an insane cast. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my number three is the Bourne Ultimatum. Uh, it's my favorite of the Bourne movies. Uh, mm. It's really awesome. Yeah, hi- height of action, Damon. I guess for for me. Yeah, my number. Yeah, I didn't include any of the uh, any of the the Bournes, not because they shouldn't be on the list, but just because like we were talking about it. Yeah. No, I'll spoil that point of my part of my list now yeah I, I did not include any of the borns and this one the born identity probably could have made it on there easily but it's the we've talked about it it's literally the point of the whole podcast so like i'm gonna mix it up with some other ones i i didn't uh, yeah uh, i did it last week and i felt like i shouldn't have like after we after i did after i included like quote-unquote just mission impossible all of them i was gonna do the same thing with this and i was like matt damon's been really good in enough really good movies that i'm yeah. just gonna give him like a legit top five yeah yeah, I, I didn't in I, I thought really hard about it and didn't end up including Ocean's Eleven and I kinda like all three of those movies. I just I ended on like he's not that big a part and like that's a case where like I think Jake Gyllenhaal could have done that. I think Ryan Gosling could have played Linus. Like there are a lot of guys that you could plug into that and not lose that much of what makes Ocean's Eleven great. I agree. Another spoiler for my... None of the Ocean's movies are on there for me. I, he's not that big or that memorable in it. And B, I, I like those movies. I just... There's movies of his I like better. So... Yeah. yeah my, my number like, three... Like Hereafter by Clint Eastwood. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, Hereafter is obviously my favorite movie of all time, so that will be number one. Yeah. Uh, number three is Talented Mr. Ripley for me. I just really it's like great. it. It's yeah. Fun thriller. Uh a very good underrated director and Anthony Minghella sort of on a hot streak because mm-hmm. I think he just made The English Patient a few years ago. He's turning out some pretty good movies and that one's just a very, very fun middle-of-the-road thriller with a really good young cast too because you have you have Damon, you have Jude mm-hmm. Law, you have Gwyneth mm-hmm. Paltrow, and then a lot of people forget you have Philip Seymour Hoffman in there you too. You sure do. And, and there's, mm-hmm. there is some absolute massive star power in that movie and they're all pretty good. <laughs> 
and it's a fun movie. That would be a good list. Maybe when we do uh, Mission Impossible 3, we can do a list of uh, one of the, the five best performances where Philip Seymour Hoffman's really annoying. Yeah, he's so <laughs> like, annoying in that movie. He just, who, who played an annoying bat asshole like, yeah. as, as well as Philip Seymour Hoffman? Yeah. Red Dragon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's so good in Red Dragon. Yeah. Yeah. God, so God, he's so good. Performances that most performances that most make you want to light Philip Seymour Hoffman oh on fire and push him <laughs> down a duct tape him to a wheelchair and light him on fire and then push him down a public street. God, I forgot it was. Well, I haven't said my number three yet. My number three is Ocean's Eleven. Fuck both of you. Oh. I'm gonna, my number three is Ocean's Eleven, and I highly disagree. I think that, that that role specifically is the definition of a role that someone just like Matt Damon would have had to play. I think that Ryan Gosling would have been too hot uh, to play that role. I think that Matt Damon fills it perfectly because he is the intersection between a George Clooney hmm. uh, and, a, uh, and a Brad Pitt, where the two of them are... Are, are are so alpha, like leading man, this, that, and the other, and that Matt Damon has the sort of, at the time, he still had the age and the adorability and the sort of like, uh, I'm just a guy mentality and level that he is perfect as a quote-unquote replacement because the whole point is that he takes George Clooney's job in that movie. He is, he is supposed to be the guy that can also do the things that George Clooney's character can do. He can also... Uh, do all of he can also do the card tricks he can also do all those misdirects and stuff um i think he's perfect in that movie and i have at my number three i think i think he's very good i'm, I'm I don't just bl- saying i, uh, I <laughs> and, and i, I love the like movie yeah. i'm in the minority for not loving that movie as much as other people do and i don't hate the movie by any means i like it it just doesn't i didn't love it as a kid it doesn't resonate me i'm i'm surprised it wasn't in will's list too I it's think probably the, a little bit it, weird it is it's definitely the daemon that i've seen the most Easily, easily. I that is a movie that if it is on, I'm keeping it on. I watch that movie whenever. Where do you stand on the sequels? Uh, two is fun. Three is forgettable. Um, is roughly roughly where I'd be. Right. I, th- I think. Um, I think the bet. I think it really shines when you when you subtract a bunch and get to eight. Um, <laughs> I kid. Um, uh, I think the first one is 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 it's really is strong. Near. Yeah near like a near perfect sort of like that very specific genre yeah. of like heist where you are pulling for the the bad guys the whole time yeah um uh like it is a very very tiny specific window where you have that you have the italian job you have um top copy uh uh i was uh sneakers uh-huh mm-hmm. um like there there are there are some movies that i think fit in that cool genre uh, and I think Oceans is one of them. Uh, not to t- not to talk about it a bunch. I know I know that y'all didn't dislike it. I was I was I was I was having having fun with it. But yeah, it's I I totally get that he doesn't perform a lot in it. Um, but like I just he's I think he's so ding ding good in it. His first scene, him, him and, and George Clooney in the bar talking, I think is a great scene. Great scene. No, it's it's probably my favorite of the the good guy heist movies. Um. My number two is Goodwill Hunting. Uh, it's kind of the ultimate Damon movie. It kind of should be number one for all the logical reasons. It's kind kind of his apex. It's you know he's uh, yeah you know he he wins uh, I think his only Oscar for for writing that. Um, really good. You know it's a movie star making 
performance uh, and just really good screenplay, really strong, um, likable, rewatchable movie. Uh, Max, yeah, my my number two is also Goodwill Hunting for yeah. those exact reasons. He is great in it. It is a it's a fantastic movie. It is uh, like Robin Williams with one of my favorite performances almost anyone has ever given. Um, I I, I yeah, it's 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 great. It's a great movie. I I love Mini Driver so much. <laughs> My number two is also Goodwill Hunting. Hey, <laughs> for all the reasons you guys just are, said. we all gonna have the same number one then? No, we're no. okay. I can, all right, I can confirm great. that. Yeah. Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill uh, Hunting is excellent, and I agree. Goodwill Hunting arguably should be all of our number ones, but apparently it's not. It absolutely could be for me. So I, I think we have the same number one then, uh, which logically kind of shouldn't be number one on a Matt Damon list for. Oh, it's, we have but, the same one. Wait, no, no, because you no. you said it already. Uh, my number oh. one is The Departed. Mine's definitely The Departed too. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, what? it's just. I mean, it's not really Matt Damon's movie, but he's one of the top two or three ingredients in it. Oh, and he's, he's two. Oh, he, shit. I feel like that's a two hander. I feel like yeah, that's it's, him, it's and him and Leo. Leo. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's him and Leo. I agree. I think it's a two hander. It, yeah, it's a it's the most fucked but, up version of a two hander, yeah. considering they like. They're, they're mortal enemies. Well, there are no the, scenes that are basically like they they don't meet at all. They don't meet at all. Yeah. It scene. was advertised that way. Yeah. It was advertised as a as a two hander with Nicholson as like the main quote unquote villain. Yeah, like that's the way that that's the way they pitched it, and I do think that's the way it plays out uh, at least screen time wise. Oh yeah, Matt Damon is as big of a star in that movie as anyone else. He gets tons of screen time, and quite frankly, I'd make the argument that. It, is sort of his movie and in some ways from the standpoint that your opening scene and your introduction into the world mm-hmm. is through him as a yeah he's his character as a kid at the very beginning and yeah. the very end yeah exactly so he's it's kind just, of it's just that it's just that leo is like one of the biggest stars in the history of star like he is a superstar yeah so any movie leo is in we end up talking about as if it's a leo movie yeah he but, eclipses every but everyone in everything he's in so. and, and yeah. leo is is hotter than matt damon today at that moment but well at, oh sure no, you're right. uh, you you can probably say at, at any time maybe since titanic but i mean you know matt, matt damon won an oscar the year titanic came out leo didn't matt matt damon's had an incredible decade of goodwill hunting oceans born leading up to that he's pretty fucking juiced at that point yeah uh and it's yeah great great performance great tragic character where you know he kind of deserves what he gets in the end but he also never really had much of a choice about what his they life was going to be yeah no it's uh yeah it's just a great movie it's a masterpiece it's, i think it's definitely right, well, a for, top three y'all can... for a movie that's that exciting it, movies aren't usually that funny also yeah it's uh, it's one well, of... y'all can probably guess what mine is then hang on let, let's dogma uh... Hold on, wait. Let, let's think about it. So um, it's, it's not. Dogma. It's, there's not oceans. <laughs> it's not born. Can you not wait? Hold on. I won't, I'm not even. No. Wait. Yeah. Don't, don't, like say don't, wait, don't, don't say right. it. Don't wait. Don't don't say it. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. What what Matt Damon movies have we missed? Um, there's someone yelling at their phone right now. Uh, I did specifically say that I said best movies that have Matt Damon in them. It's you don't like stuck on you. <laughs> it's stuck on. I love stuck on you. It's not stuck on do. you. I do really like stuck yeah. on you. 
<laughs> I took a swing. I don't know. It could have been that. I actually stuck on you. I think gets a lot of. Hit. I stuck on you. I think is 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 good. There's an alternate universe where stuck on you really hit, and like like there's there's a lot to like about that movie. I'm not gonna talk about stuck. Wait, on what? You. What is I, it? It's Saving Private Ryan. Oh. One of the single, if not <laughs> oh, the single wow. greatest war film of uh, all fucking time. Yeah. <laughs> that, What's the better war movie? What's the better war movie? I, I don't know. The Deer Hunter? Give me one. No. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. One, Deer Hunter takes place uh, when in, once in someone comes yeah. home. So it is not a war film. Well, it's like I, a one-third war film, I'd say. they. It, it's It's... Before they go for a large portion of the movie, I don't a know. little Apocalypse bit of Apocalypse Now is really great. I mean, it's funny. Uh, you know, I'm, Ryan not, I'm not going to disagree. I will say this: is the Deer Hunter the and Apocalypse Now are movies that I don't necessarily just consider pure war movies. Yeah, they don't have an, a lot of actual war in them. There's very little fighting in Deer Hunter. They're literally yeah, a POW. Deer Hunter's a, a Drama, yeah. uh, the PTSD drama uh, that takes place around Apocalypse Vietnam. Now is a psychedelic nightmare. Yeah, Apocalypse <laughs> Now is just—I don't even know how the fuck to describe that movie, but it's not a war movie. Like, I think Saving Private Ryan's the best combat movie ever. Yeah, yeah, combat movie. Saving Private. Sorry, Max. Go ahead. <laughs> has Tom Hanks, Vin Diesel, Matt Damon, Brian Cranston. Barry Pepper, Tom Sizemore, Jeremy Davis, Giovanni Ribisi, Nathan fucking Fillion, Paul Giamatti, Ted Danson. It is one of the great, it is a. It is an astoundingly good movie. Yeah. It has a super young Andrew Scott in it as an extra. The guy, who, the uh, British guy who's, who's, who's uh, brilliant as the, as the villain in Sherlock. Uh, uh, it is, and, and also is in um, uh, uh, Spectre. Uh, crap, what's that? Uh, yes, is Inspector. Yeah, uh, Fleabag. No, I was going with the Fleabag. The Fleabag. Yeah. Oh God, he's so good in Fleabag. Yeah. Um, not the point. It is an astoundingly good movie. With 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 a with it is it is a movie that was so powerful that when, that when veterans saw it in the theaters, they they cried and some of them had to leave the theater because it's the most accurate representation of D Day that has ever been filmed. It's is Matt Damon the lead in it fucking far 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 from it but if i'm talking about the best movie that has matt damon in it i think it is saving private ryan okay uh, i'm not gonna disagree it's a great movie i mean that cast come on that's got to be an all-time stacked cast if not the greatest tom hanks in the church with his hands shaking and everyone's talking about like his, his like, oh god everyone in that movie also delivers everyone in that movie comes to play like like Everyone's great in it. Yeah, Barry Pepper just giving an all-time legendary performance. So good. It's great. It's God. Everyone has it. Even Paul Giamatti being being the guy you hate. Paul Giamatti being a, being a, a role of just like a a random dude that you come across that just like you know like it it has to push his power around for a half a second. I I love that movie. It makes me it makes me feel feelings. Um, and the fact that that uh, that he is Private Ryan, he's who they're trying to save. Um, uh, and I will say that they did the cool thing of like once they get him, like movie's not over. There's there's like the final act takes place with with him in it as well. And he is obviously just supposed to be us, right? He's our foil to figure out more about Tom Hanks. Um, but like 
I love that movie. It it will for it is forever the thing that I am mad about the fact that it did not win Best Picture. Um, that is the thing that I will go to my grave thinking uh, that is as as good as much yeah. as I like Shakespeare in Love. Shakespeare well, when it movie. Uh, when it goes to the highest, it, it bidder. is not better than Saving Private Ryan. Are, Someone are you just accusing paid more money for that to win. Harvey Weinstein of wrongdoing? Yeah, can you believe it? <laughs> Would you dare to? I might have to delete this part. Hollywood darling. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, sorry, I misread. Hollywood dildo. I misread that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, Hollywood. Um, but yeah, I'll get off my high horse. I I uh, I love that movie. Um, and it was obviously. In in a list where I actually made like Matt Damon performances, it's not on the top five um, because of how little uh, how he has a smaller role. But in this, yeah, that's, that's not instance, the list. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I was just like, I like, how could I not? I like just rating. I don't care if he's in it for ten minutes. I I put Interstellar in there. I really just went off one of the five what I think best Matt Damon movies. That's one of the good things about his career is. So many of the movies that he's in and good in are also great movies. He's not a guy that's given great performances and otherwise like average movies a lot. Um, yeah, it, it's yeah. I mean, obviously he does that every once in a while, but yeah, he's in a lot of really really good movies, um, and has exceptionally good taste in terms of choosing what he, what he, what roles he picks and does and what he's a part of. So yeah, totally. It's been a good career. Yeah, he's a. I, I might like him slightly better on the whole than Cruz. I'm just gonna say that if you had to make me pick one star, I'd probably choose him. If you had to, yeah, like if we're picking all their movies. Well, Cruz uh, has got a pretty incredible record when it comes to kinds of movies he's he's been in. But it, it would it would be tough to pick just looking if you're taking either of their filmographies to yeah. to a desert island i think damon's a superior actor i was gonna say yeah, it would i'm be, saying it would be, yeah it would be tough but i'm probably taking matt damon's just because of the breadth uh-huh. yeah if i'm saying like, like if i was maybe a director that it could choose between one of those guys peak either one of those guys oh, their peak to cast damon. i'd take damon, damon in a heartbeat uh-huh. yeah. yeah yeah which is not which is not anti-cruise no. it's just that like damon can get that you can know as a director before you've read the script that you have a better chance of Damon fitting whatever it is you want than Tom Cruise. For exactly the point that we said, Tom Cruise will never ever be described as mild mannered. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and never... and, and half of all stories begin with a mild mannered character. <laughs> yeah, I mean Matt Damon, you can believe uh, as a amnesiac spy hunted by the CIA, you can believe that Matt Damon bought a zoo. Yeah, and that I, that's range, baby. I'm so happy with and with that, we've mentioned we bought a zoo. We did it, Je- ladies. Podcast and over. We that's- did it. I uh, the oh, thank you f- for doing that. I I am so happy. One of us, I was waiting. I for it to organically appear. Thank you. You know, I I named uh, Jerry Maguire as as my top cruise movie. I just rewatched. Uh, the bootleg, the superior cut of Almost Famous, which is great. I love Cameron Crowe. I saw We Bought a Zoo in a theater. I didn't hate it. Uh, that one's not bad, yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> it's it's a fine movie. Yeah. That's not it, Aloha. It gets a lot of I mean, flack. It gets flack for yeah. the name. Yeah, I was about to say. It gets flack for the name, not because it was, like, atrocious. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one more thing before we just move on. Whoever – the one – the worst part of the Born Identity is whoever the continuity person was – just did a terrible job. 
with Chris, her hair. Chris Cooper with her hair is all. Chris yeah, Cooper yeah. is simultaneously wearing a short sleeve shirt and a long sleeve shirt the entire fucking movie, <laughs> and it's all it's all taking place on the same day. It's not like he's. It's so her, yeah, and her her hair changes color and length. Yep. On a shot to shot basis. Constantly, it's so bad. The continuity is terrible. It's bad. It's bad. It's it's. He's not even wearing the same shirt. Like, pattern-wise, he's wearing a long-sleeve shirt that has stripes in some scenes, and then a short Chris Cooper, cut off that's just plain blue in others. Chris Cooper, there's a moment where he's handed, like, some food. Like, 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 uh, like Brian Cox is coming to talk to him, and he's, got, he's like, chewing on a biscuit or some shit. Chris Cooper is, like, a top 20, like, eating food on film. <laughs> like, like, on a list that is obviously headlined by Brad Pitt. Because he famously, he, he almost too famously is eating and everything he does. Like Chris Cooper just munching on some shit, I feel is happens in most movies that he's in. But I can't help that they just forgot. Like whoever the con, it's not like they got to set one day and were like, "Yeah, we don't have another short sleeve shirt. We got to swap in this long sleeve. Go to Target and get a short sleeve <laughs> blue shirt." It, in, in 10 minutes and bring it back to set. It like, was, uh, they they couldn't, they spent every dime of the 60 mil. She was like, can I please, ju-? and they're like, I'm so sorry. We're out of money. We we totaled the Mini Cooper going down those stairs and we needed to buy a new one. <laughs> there's, there's continuity errors like when Julia Stiles uh, is just Reese Witherspoon in a couple shots. Yeah. <laughs> that was very jarring. <laughs> I hate Julia Stiles. We'll talk about it when we do the next ones. I think she's really good in the second one. Um, I actually, I just really like her. I think I really like Julia Stiles. Yeah, I'm a little mad um, she went away so hard and kind of never came back. Aside from Silver uh, Linings weird, Playbook, she she is in uh, a a she is in season four now of a of a show led by her on Sky TV. Really? Um, yeah, with with a a, a pretty pretty freaking decent cast. I was I weird. I went on a Google deep dive of her because of that exact thing. I was like, where in the world is she? Because I really like her. Um, and one, I forgot about some of the, some of the stuff that she's done. I forgot about, um, uh, well now, now I'm, uh, as I said, I was literally like looking at it earlier and I've already forgotten again. Um, but, uh, she's had uh, a hell of a career and she's, yeah, she's now in like a cool, uh, like weird TV show that is, has like four seasons, but it's, it's a British thing. So obviously it's not been huge here, but it's called Riviera. And I was reading about it, and it it this will shock the two of you. Well, not shock for the two of you. You'll understand how important this is. It is a drama uh, in the UK that uh, averages two point two million an episode viewers. Wow. Which, like in today's day and age, for for someone that doesn't understand the what the a number I just threw out, big great numbers for a show. Great numbers for a sh- for a show for for being like an eight episode drama on a. Not even like the main British channel; it's like the fifth British channel. Yeah, Sky, um, Sky TV. Not to get not to get heavily into British television. Sorry. <laughs> Sky TV is like relatively new, right? Though are they? they Sky been... TV is one of the privately owned ones, right? There's BBC, and then there's BBC Two, Three, yeah, and four. four, and then there's Channel Four. But Sky Sky is one of the ones that used to. They started out as, I believe, mostly sports. And then they recently started making their own personal material, uh, and also they have like a because they also like created their own online like a Peacock slash you know like like whatever one of those uh, like HBO Max uh, ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but they what what they mainly do a lot of is that like uh, I know them from when I'm pirating uh, basketball games, 
and I have to watch the the sky the sky sports <laughs> uh crew talk to me about my basketball game. <laughs> um but I digress. Uh will you Let's uh have a big bag of movies. I got some some goodies here. Uh and you I do do the honors. Can't be and convinced that those aren't scrabble tiles. Draw the the next It's uh, a very ornamental bag. W- will it be Save the Last like Dance starring Julia Stiles? Draw frankincense out of here. Is uh, it a is it a Crown Royale bag? Cuz that's what I would bet. It's kind of it looks it feels like it. <laughs> okay, so yeah, it's Save the Last Dance. Okay, good. Oh, great. It's And hit. it's also worth 12 points. Oh man. It's uh, it's Haywire by Steven Soderbergh. Oh, we we saw we that. We saw I that believe. in theaters yeah. together. So I'm gonna watch it a second time now. Yeah. One more time than I ever thought I would watch it. <laughs> I have not seen it. Apparently, so. I had a better time with with Haywire than you did. I didn't dislike it. I just it wasn't very memorable. I yeah. remember being like viscerally mad or anything walking out of it. Yeah. it's just a movie. It's a it's a pretty cool action movie, and I think his oh, we're his going whole... to Delaware. We're in Delaware now. Yeah, it's the movie equivalent of Wayne's World take on yeah. Delaware. <laughs> um, I Super think exciting. I think his his pitch was like I want to make an old style Bond movie, and Soder- Soderbergh was just watching uh, Gina Carano on um, like it doing the a wrestling M- MMA show. Yeah, be- beating some girl up, and beating was like, the crap <laughs> was like, uh, I can make a spy movie with her. Uh, so uh, and then her career skyrocketed and nothing went weird. Anyway, <laughs> she was a normal, likable person. <laughs> and, end of story. <laughs> anyway, that and more on the, on next, the next on the next gentlemen prefer bonds. <laughs>